Welcome to the Hills, North Richland Hills, South Lake, West Fort Worth campuses. Uh, my name is Rick. I'm also known as the disciple whom Jesus loves. And I hope you heard our first lesson in our anothering series last weekend, and you will understand what I mean. Because we're going to be considering in this teaching how we can grow in our anothering, in the way that we treat others. And it begins with this fundamental thought that we are the beloved, that we can constantly count on the love of God. I cannot pour out of a tank that is empty. And it is God's love constantly poured out to me that enables me to pour out love to anyone else. And so it helps me to think of this very biblical truth. I really am the disciple whom Jesus loves. And you are too. And from there, we can then begin to take some really important steps in the great skill of anothering. And so we start with a story of a man who went to see his doctor. He wasn't feeling very well. And after a series of tests, the doctor came back with three bottles of pills. He said, now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take one of these green pills in the morning at breakfast with a great giant glass of water. And then at lunch, I need you to take a red pill with a big glass of water. And then at supper, I need you to take this blue pill with a big glass of water. And the man said, what's my problem, doctor? And the doctor said, you're not drinking enough water. <laughs> you see, so often we make things more complicated than they need to be. The last words of Jesus were, keep the main thing, the main thing. And I am absolutely convicted that if we don't live out of, if we don't build on, if we don't get and commit to this last thing of Jesus, we will never really be the movement he wanted us to be. And it's simply this, John 13, 34 and 5, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And everything Jesus hopes to do in us and through us around the world hinges on our really believing what he just said. That the world will know. We are his disciples, not by doctrinal correctness. They don't know what sound doctrine is. Not even by moral holiness because they have no idea the holiness of God. What they will notice is the uniqueness of the way we another. And so, this command I give you. As I've loved you, love one another. Because there's a lack of love in the world. Now, there's not a lack of definitions of love, as we'll see in a moment. But when Jesus says love, he's using a completely different dictionary. The golden rule is hard enough. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But Jesus lays out the platinum rule. 
Do unto others as I have done unto you, and you will make an impact. Because most of the affection practiced in the world is light weight anothering. Jesus says there is another way to another one another. So let's spend some time and just explore what Jesus means when he says love one another. Because when Jesus says love, he's using a different dictionary. The first thing you need to know about anothering, this is a bit of you, but it's a command. We talked about this last time. The Bible doesn't say thou ought to love one another. Jesus isn't giving us a suggestion or a life option. He's saying, when you sign up to follow me, you sign up to love my family. And the gospel never presents this as an afterthought. This is a first principle. This is discipleship 101. This is the first thing on the curriculum. This is the first thing you learn when you sign up to follow Jesus. 2 John verse 6. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he's commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So Jesus says, keep the main thing, the main thing, love God and love people. And you can't do one without the other, nor can you be a rule keeper if you don't follow the intent of the rule maker. Now, what I just said is very important because here's the deal. A lot of Christians think, okay, love is really cool. I don't know if I'll ever get to that part, but I am going to focus on obedience. I am going to really excel in obeying commands. I don't know if I'll ever really excel in loving. And they create there a dichotomy the Bible won't let you create. One time this guy comes up to Jesus and says, well, which one of the commands is the greatest, okay? Where do I really need to focus in on my obedience? And Jesus gives me this answer in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now watch, he doesn't stop talking. He was asked to give one command, but it's almost as if Jesus is saying, I can't answer your question with just one answer. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So don't tell me I'm really going to focus on obedience. I don't know if I'm ever going to be good at anothering. Anothering is the way you become obedient. When you're not sure what the law would have you do, ask the question, what does love require of me in this moment? Because love is the universal moral absolute. If you will pursue the interest of love, you will always agree with the intent of the law. Now, again, the reason I'm hammering this so hard is because from Jesus' day until now, religious people like you and me have had this very disturbing capacity 
to focus on everything about what God expects except the foundation, love each other. We will study for every other question to the point we will split churches over our disagreements. When only two questions are going to be on the final. Did you love God and did you love people? See, this would explain why when I was a boy, I can remember going out between Bible class and worship service where all the deacons would smoke. And I would stand around. And I would hear them tell the most racist jokes and use the most derogatory language toward people of color and then walk back into the sanctuary and pat ourselves on the back because we're the church that did church right unlike that church down the street because we're the church that focuses on obedience. Now how in the world can that kind of thinking even exist? You need to beware of any kind of religion that will make you clean while you can treat other people like dirt. You have no greater obligation before God than your another obligation. But here's the thing. If you have been overwhelmed by the love of God, you don't see loving other people as an obligation. You see it as an opportunity. You don't have to love another way. You get to. Because, and that's the second thing about Jesus' definition of anothering, it is a choice. You see, While Christ commands us to love, he does not coerce us to do so. Anothering requires making a decision. Now, there's a bit of a tension here I'll talk about in a second because I'm going to say in a second that you can't another without the Holy Spirit. You can't just another by gritting your teeth and deciding in the flesh to do it. But understand, the Holy Spirit will not compel you to love more than you want to. And so you have, for example, in Scripture, verses like Colossians 3, verse 14, and over all these virtues, put on love. You notice how you have to make that decision? Or 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, let love be your highest goal. You see, there is another way to love. Jesus is reading from a different dictionary. And in his definition, you exalt being willing over having feelings. You listen to the love that's promoted in the airwaves and in the songs and in the poetry and in the storytelling of our culture. And love is about feeling it's about falling it's it's almost like you're walking along and you stumble and you fall in love and how great that is but here's the problem as long as love is uncontrollable you can fall in love and you can fall out of love I can't count how many times I've sat with a man or a woman who wants to break off their marriage and they use this line well I just don't love them anymore see I fell in love with them, but now I've just fallen out of love with them. So what can I do? Because I don't feel loving 
anymore. Gee, I'm not a good counselor because I just tell them to stop feeling and start willing. (laughs) Saying, I just don't love them anymore is a sloppy, cowardly way to escape your responsibility as a disciple of Jesus. He said, well, wait, preacher, if, if I act loving when I don't feel like it, then I'd be a hypocrite. And I know I'm not supposed to be a hypocrite. Wrong. A hypocrite is a person that pretends to be what they have no intention of becoming. You are not a hypocrite when you act like the person you want to be, even when you don't feel in the moment like being that person. Remember when your children were young, I can remember waking up at two in the morning because they're crying. Now, I don't feel like waking up. I don't feel like dealing with it. But what does love require? So I roll over and say, Jamie, get up and go take care of the kids because I'm all about other people. I remember the story of the teacher trying to explain fractions to her class. So she says to little Jimmy, okay, there's six people in your family, Jimmy. Your mother makes a pie, and she cuts up the pie. What percentage of the pie would you get? He says, one-fifth. No, there's six people in your family. What percentage would you get? He said, I'd get one-fifth. She says, Jimmy, you don't understand fractions. And Jimmy says, no, you don't understand my mama. She would say she didn't want any. (laughs) You see... That's what love constantly does. It wills to do what love requires. Jesus did not go to the cross because he felt like it. He chose the cross because it was the will of the one he loved. You will always drift toward light, weight, loving until you decide otherwise. So again, 1 Corinthians 14, I like how the message reads. It says, go after a life of love. Because you see, third, anothering is a commitment. Light, weight, loving makes relationships like everything else in our culture disposable. Anothering is love over the long haul. It's love as a lifestyle, not as a hobby. 1 Peter 4 verse 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Or 1 John four sixteen, if we keep on loving others... We will stay one in our hearts with God. Because anybody can love for a moment. But Jesus is calling us to love tougher than that. He's using a different dictionary. And that's why I say again, you've got to understand you can't do this in the flesh. You must decide You must choose to be this kind of person. But the only way you can get there is you have to let yourself be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Anothering is not natural for anybody. Not the way Jesus defines it. 
It requires the enabling of the ultimate anotherer. And so Paul says, Romans 5, 5, God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Because love is a choice, but love's also a fruit. And as you say every day in your walk with God, Lord, I'm yours today. You take over today. You fill me today. Let me walk in your spirit. Let me walk in your power. You be my master today. Then the Lord starts to do a work in you. The Lord starts to transform that stubborn character we all have. All of a sudden, fruit like patience and gentleness and self-control and kindness and goodness that do not come from the flesh start to show up in our lives. And then the Lord sends us to get graduate love lessons. And he does it by placing us in this community called church. You understand one of the greatest blessings of church in your life is it is the perfect context for you to grow your anothering. Think about it. In church, there are examples to inspire us. Our church is filled with some long-haul, lifetime anotherers. And in church, I find people to walk with me, to encourage me and support me when I have to make those hard anothering calls. And then this might be the best part. In church, there are people who just drive me nuts that I get to practice and grow on. (laughs) Think about it. I've always argued the last thing you need to do when you get frustrated with somebody in your church is just pick up and go take your ball, run home, and find a new church. How in the world can you grow as an anotherer if you don't ever have some people you have to really pour out some grace on? You know, this is one of the reasons we meet. Yes, we worship, and we should, and yes, we take communion together and that's a blessing but the bible says in hebrews 10 24 when we get together when we assemble it says let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works in other words we need to help each other another We need to talk about this together, how we can encourage each other to live this amazing, wonderful, difficult life of anothering. It's our highest work. It's our greatest witness. I remember, for example, some years ago, my friend Max Placato told me this great story. One of the members of the church he pastors is David Robinson. And some of you might remember that name. He was a great basketball player, MVP of the NBA. He won some uh, rings. Uh, Many times he was an all-star. Very, very dedicated Christian. And some years ago, on his 10th anniversary, he asked for Max as his pastor and his wife, Deanlin, to come with his family and some teammates he was paying for everyone to fly over to Hawaii because he wanted to renew his vows to his wife, Valerie. 
And so Max is out there on the beach performing the ceremony. David and Valerie are recommitting to each other. And that's cool. And all of these basketball guys are watching this guy do this. But then David gets down on his knees, which would still make him taller than me. (laughs) And he looks at his three boys, David Jr. and Corey and Justin. And this is what he says. He says, I want you to know I will never leave your mother. I want you to know you will always have a daddy. Now, this next weekend is Father's Day, and if you had a father or a mentor in your life like that, you make sure this week you tell them thank you. Someone that committed to long-haul loving. And let me just say right now, if anybody needs a pastor to go to Hawaii and do a renewal... (laughs) I am there because I'm all about others. And I want to help you do that. And then Jesus says anothering is a conduct. I like the story of the young bride who came back from her honeymoon and called her mother. And her mother said, well, how was it, honey? And she said, it was great. And then she just burst out crying. But, oh, mama, as soon as we got home, he became a different person. He started using words I've never heard. I want to come home, mom. And mama said, no, honey, what could be the matter? He's always seemed like a nice boy. Oh, mama, he's using four-letter words now, words he never used when we dated. Can I come home? And mama says, what kind of language is he using? Mama, I don't even want to repeat it. They're so ugly. No, what kind of four-letter words is he using? He's using words like dust, wash, iron, cook. <laughs> you see, I think we all know that light, weight, loving can be discreet. But anothering is concrete. In other words, Jesus is calling us to those kinds of intentional, tangible visible actions that empty ourselves out for somebody else. Or as John put it in 1 John 3, 18, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Because most love is talk, but another love is walk. Let me give you some concrete examples. You remember the earthquake in Haiti a couple of years ago in our church took up over $200,000 to send a Christian relief fund for our uh, buddy Milton Jones uh, helps orphans all over the world. You see him there in Haiti. That's one of the kids we helped. In fact, in the next picture, you'll see all of the children that we helped. I think you'll be able to spot Milton there. And here's what happened. A lot of kids became orphans. And so the government sent them up north to get them away from the rubble, but they had no school up there. They had no place to stay. And so what happened? They took the money. And yes, they used some of the money we sent for, for medicine and food, but they used a big bulk of it. And we bought a piece of land up in the north part of the country, and we built this building up there. And that building is their school, it's uh, their church, and it's where they go to eat every day. These couple of hundred orphans, and a lot of you have adopted. And Milton was there just last month. And how cool is this? 20 of those children now have been baptized into Jesus. I think you'll see that in this next picture. And that's what I call concrete love. Or last weekend, I had the privilege on Sunday of speaking live at the South Lake campus. And I got to walk down the halls and see some of the kids. 
and I got to see this awesome fifth grade class. Southlake Campus has adopted Keller Early Learning Center, which is a, a school for some kids with special needs. And they're having Servant Sunday, right? And these fifth graders are being taught what it means to be a servant. And they come up with the idea, let's don't talk, let's do something. So they have a bake sale. And the fifth graders at Southlake raised $700 to give to the Keller Early Learning Center. Proud of those kids. Love's a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Now this is costly. Lightweight love is not very costly. Another love is very costly. But it's also a great investment. One more thing. You see, another thing Jesus says is a credit. Now let me explain. Jesus is decidedly unimpressed with lightweight loving. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, if you only love people who love you back, if you only give to people that give back to you, if you're only nice to people who are nice What credit is that to you? Jesus says, don't expect me to be impressed by the way you treat nice people. Don't expect me to be impressed with the kind of love you don't even need the Holy Spirit to do. God gives no credit for any act religious or otherwise, that was done without love. The Galatian church is arguing about whether or not you should be circumcised, and Paul says it doesn't matter. In fact, in chapter 5, verse 6, he says, all that matters is faith that works through love. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, one of the most powerful definitions of love ever penned, Paul basically says this, Nothing I say matters without love. I I might be able to communicate in tongues of angels. But if I don't love the people I speak to, it doesn't matter. Nothing I know matters. I I I might have insight into the deepest mysteries of God. It doesn't matter if the people I teach are people I don't love. It doesn't matter. He says, nothing I believe matters. People might come from all over the world to have me pray for them because I have so much faith when I pray. But if I don't love the people I pray for, it doesn't matter. He says, nothing I give matters. There might be buildings and orphanages and universities all over the world with my name on them that I paid for. But if I don't love the people that go there, it doesn't matter. In fact, finally he says... It doesn't matter if I die taking a stand for God. If I don't love the people that witness my martyrdom, it doesn't matter. No credit. Chapter 13, verse 3 from the message. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Here's Bible math. Anything minus love equals nothing. Anything minus love equals nothing. Are you beginning 
to perceive how serious Jesus is, how critical it is to listen when he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, love one another. By this, all the world will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Nobody should do anothering better than us because we know what matters. 1997, Mitch Album wrote what became the best-selling memoir of all time. It was called Tuesdays with Maury. Maury Schwartz was one of his college professors. He was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And so 14 straight Tuesdays, he went to visit his mentor. And they would talk about a variety of things. And each visit became a chapter. And on the eighth visit, he took with him a press clipping where Ted Turner, the mogul, had been denied the chance to buy CBS, and he was angry, and he said, I don't want my tombstone to say I never owned a network. And what pursued was a conversation about what really matters in life. Is it acquiring or is it giving? And here's what Maury said. I'm dying. Right? So why do you think it's important for me to hear other people's problems? Don't I have enough pain and suffering of my own? Of course I do. But giving to other people is what makes me feel alive. Not my car or my house. Not what I look like in the mirror. When I give my time, when I can make someone smile after they were feeling sad, it's as close to healthy as I ever feel. And so we have to decide. There's another way to do life. But you have to love another way to do it. And I'm begging you. Don't spend the rest of your life tied up in knots over questions that aren't going to be on the final Love God, love people. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Brandon Moody tells a great story. He was visiting his uncle who's a pastor of a church at Easter and they were having their Easter pageant. And you know a lot of the Easter pageants end with Jesus giving the great commission and ascending to the heavens through the roof. And so they had the Jesus character giving the great commission and they had... Uh, clear ropes attached to him so that they could pull him backstage and he could rise up. And so Jesus is going up into the heavens and the guys backstage, the rope slipped and Jesus started coming back. It's like the second coming of Jesus. And they grabbed the rope and Jesus got stuck, suspended about two feet off the stage. And the guy playing Jesus said, oh, one more thing. Love one another. And I really do believe If Jesus came for a visit before the second return, that would be exactly what he would say. Love one another. Listen, Hills Church, wherever you are, whatever campus you attend, there is no other way 
we will have more leverage, more impact in this city and around the world than this. Nobody another's like we do. So I'm going to ask on every campus now, would prayer teams take their places? And we're going to sing a song of worship and we're going to give you a chance to come and either be anothered or ask for prayers to help you another. There may be something else you're dealing with. Let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Let's another each other. You might want to give your life to Christ and be baptized. Let's another each other. And remember this. God's love is another love. He only knows one way to love God. He knows it's a choice. He knows it's a commitment. He does it with action. That's the only way God loves. His love never, ever fails. Let's all stand. Let's praise him while you come.